it keeps coming back to to authenticity though whatever your purpose is it's got to be right it's got to be for you it's got to be who you are Mm. quite frankly b2b has the potential to be electrifying but the industry is paralyzed by a culture of conservatism scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas it's time for change it's time to make b2b marketing visceral Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. Hello and welcome to B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. I'm Benedict and today I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Nick Hughes. And Nick, you are Director of Marketing and Communications at industrial property company Seagrow. Now, as we probably could tell there, I'm not going to do it justice if I try and give you an introduction. So the mic is yours, maybe 30, 40 seconds. Tell us um, about yourself and what's Seagrow all about. Thanks, Benny. Um, yes, so I am Nick Hughes, Director of Marketing and Comms at Seagrow. You got that bit right. Uh, so Seagrow is a 102-year-old property company. Uh, we were founded, We actually our first asset was the Slough Trading Estate, which we still own. Today, we're a FTSE 40, we're the largest prop co in the UK, we're the second largest in Europe, and we're in the UK and seven other continental European countries. And, and, and what do we do? We, we build, own and manage property, and that is uh, big sheds, so for companies like Amazon mm-hmm. uh, and DHL, etc., all the way down to smaller units um, that you would find on the Slough Trading Estate. But yeah, that's our that's our asset class. We're a pure play in that area. Wonderful. I always find it just so amazing with B2B that you can have these gigantic companies that are of the scale that you've just described and also are so integral to the way that we live our life, you know, Ari Amazon, and you don't have that sort of like on the street sort of like awareness. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, look, there are probably good reasons why B2B companies do sit in the background, but it is... Um, it is always uh, very, very surprising when, when we think about that. It is. We, we, we are absolutely the epicentre of being a B2B yeah. brand. So I've, I've had colleagues join and, uh, you know, I have an induction session where they, they, they say, you must be doing quite a crap job because I've never really heard of Seagrow <laughs> before I got, got the headhunter involved. But um, if you think about what we do, we're, we're actually trying to sell. Our, mm. our version of a sell is asking somebody to sign a lease. Mm. So when we're building something, um, and it might be 300,000 square feet, there's probably only 10 businesses who could sign that lease. And there's probably only two or three people within that mm. business that we would actually want to influence. So, um, you know, doing mass consumer campaigns would be a, a, the, the biggest spray and pay model ever yeah. and not desperately appropriate. We're, we're much more focused than that. No, no, indeed. Well, look, hey, with the platform that we're about to provide today in the podcast, who knows, maybe everyone will be uh, the t- talk of the town. Uh, but we're not here to talk about um, the Seagrow brand per se. We're actually here to talk about purpose, um, which I think is a fantastically interesting topic, not just within marketing, but generally, and especially trying to get a bit of an understanding of what purpose means. Now, the way that we always start these podcasts is with a provocative truth, and I'm very, very keen to get your reaction to it. Now, my observations are when people talk around purpose, it's all too often relegated to an ESG initiative, which is owned by external comms, and doesn't actually touch the rest of the business. Is that something that you agree with? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely, fundamentally not, no. Um, I think we all need purpose, mm. you know, whether we're individuals or organisations, we need purpose, we need that North Star. Mm. It's that, you know, on a personal level, the, the self-esteem, I think for, for you know, there's this much used phrase about the duvet chuck moment and 
that means that if you work for a business with purpose, you tend to get out of bed in a hurry and want to get to work because you know what it is you're doing. Mm. Um, it, I mean, th there is obviously a commercial value to having a purpose. There's plenty of research in this area. I think Interbrand did a really good study a few years ago that said that those with a sort of those businesses with a definitive that are definitively purpose driven, I think outperform those without that mm. don't by about one hundred and twenty percent. So you know there is that commercial value to it, but it's mm. but it's much more than that, much more than that. Absolutely, and I think that look, it's it's refreshing to hear someone talk so passionately about purpose and also understanding. I think the significance that purpose can have, um, and yeah, maybe I was being slightly cynical, but I do feel that there is still that little bit of a misunderstanding about what purpose is, and therefore businesses don't put the sort of the precedent to it. Um, just so we've all got that common understanding, how would you define purpose and its role within an organisation? Um, I, I think there's probably, the, what the, my answer would be around the, the three benefits of purpose. Mm. Um, I think, first of all, you, you can increase your customer's preference to your product or mm. service because there is a clearer understanding of what it is that you're trying to be in the world. Mm. And, that, and that's probably related to sort of Kahneman System 1 and System 2 because if you think about coherence and consistency with a brand, then you're going to understand it better. And then mm. you're going to move it into you know, system one thinking. Yeah. Um, you, you touched on ESG and, you know, purpose, you know, the, the purpose from a, 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 you know, causal purpose, which is absolutely fine. Mm. Um, but I think right now being a good corporate citizen is a good thing, mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. course. And the, and the third one is employee engagement. So you were talking about external comms, well, frankly, mm. for Seagrow, and we do have a, we do have a defined purpose. It's so important to getting everyone, all of our colleagues, 400 colleagues across eight uh, European countries to have a shared North Star, mm. frankly. Yeah. And I, look, I, I actually really agree with what you're saying. I mean, you're using the words sort of North Star and certainly the way that I think that purpose has value is it because it's, it's an organising principle which people can rally around or be led by, as you say, in terms of that North Star aspect. So when a brand needs to think about a person, I think that we are probably agreed that it is a strategic um, strategic instrument um, within, within an organization rather than it being an initiative. How do brands go about creating a good purpose? And what are the different factors that they should consider when trying to arrive at that point? I, I think the key one, the most important one, the starting point for all of this is authenticity. Mm. So the you know if you look at Patagonia, mm -hmm. what a you know fantastic brand and and you know much heralded and in the news a lot at the moment. But if you go back to when Yvonne Chouinard started, well, in fact before he started Patagonia, so he was a climbing instructor. Mm. He then set up. He he started to make his own equipment. So he founded Chouinard Equipment, and they made steel pitons, which are those bits of metal you whack into to, to rocks when yeah. you're climbing them, and. He, after a few years of this, the, the, his pitons were responsible for 70% of the profits of his business. But somebody took him back to Yosemite, where obviously, you know, sort of home of American climbing, and said, look, see, see all the scarring on those um, mountains there? That's caused by your steel pitons. Mm. So this guy thought, this is, this is terrible. So rather than just saying, well, tough, you know, this is 70% of my profit, so I'm going to carry on with it. He stopped, he stopped the product line mm. and, and he innovated, made aluminium pitons. So there is a guy who is clearly um, ecologically, environmentally aware. Mm. And then he obviously goes on to, to found Patagonia. He does things in the 80s, which were 
Today, they seem normal, but at the time, it, so I think in 84, he started, his staff canteen went vegetarian. He had a childcare system. Mm. He started tithing in 86, I think it was. So one, 10% of turnover was given out to environmental activists. I mean, these are things that you think are fine today. Mm. But I started work in 1985, and people who were doing that sort of stuff were considered batshit crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so if you look at Patagonia today, yeah. you, you, could, you could apply a cynicism to it and say, oh, well, they're just, you know, they're just trying to position themselves. Mm. And of course, it's all about being outdoors. It's outdoor gear, it's tech gear. Therefore, of course, environment and ecology are, you know, go hand in hand. But it's not. It's all based on his authenticity. Um, and so that, to me, is the starting point. If you, if you have a purpose that's inauthentic, um, you're toast, quite yeah. frankly. You can't, you, can't, you can't deal with it. I mean, I, I did write down one which I thought was utterly brilliant, which is Gnaw, Gnaw Soups. Mm -hmm. uh, and their, per their stated purpose statement was, change the world by changing what's on their plate. Mm. And this is a company that makes soup. You know, there's no authenticity there. Sorry. Sorry <laughs> sorry if any nor marketers are, are listening to this. No, indeed. And I think it's, it's really interesting in terms of bringing up Patagonia example. And um, I think, and look, I'm, I'm actually going to get the phraseology not quite right, but the sentiment is there. I think that everyone describes himself as a reluctant businessman. Uh, it's reluctant something anyway, but it's, it's to that sort of idea. Um, so he's coming at it from a more, his origins or his starting point are around purpose. For corporate organisations um, who are not necessarily um, still led by their, their founder, and indeed they are working there as professionals, how do you go about discovering what the authenticity is that you should build a purpose around? Let me answer that by talking about Seagro. Mm. So as I mentioned, we, st we started the business 102 years ago. It's quite an interesting story and it's a golf at a slight tangent. But at the end of the First World War, the British government um, wanted to repatriate millions of, or well, certainly hundreds of thousands of motor vehicles that were stuck in France and Belgium, mm. et cetera. Um, and they set up, they bought some land from a, uh, from a couple of farmers in what was rural Slough mm. uh, and started bringing these military vehicles back. They hired a load of people who were ex-service people um, to help with it. But they realized they, they weren't experts and it was a struggle and it was costing money. And, and they were working these ex-soldiers, ex-military personnel too hard. So they actually put it out to tender. And two guys uh, who effectively became the founders of Seagro um, joined up as a partnership and bought the the business for seven million quid from the British government. And so overnight, suddenly, uh, what was the Slough Trading? What is the Slough Trading Estate was born? What was the Slough Trading Company was born, which is mm. now Seagro. And we, the my, you know, the the the, the originals as we call them, um, brought these military vehicles back, fixed them up, built buildings to. To, to obviously repair them in an ecosystem created around it, mm. and and suddenly they realised they had a property company on their hand on their hands. But the authenticity piece for us, when it comes to purpose, is actually um, what we've discovered is we're really really good at looking after our people. We're really good at looking after our neighbours. So mm -hmm. today, for instance, we have a community investment plan. We spend about a million pounds a year on our neighbours because, funnily enough, um, industrial and logistics properties are not in the poshest, richest parts of towns and cities. You're so, doing slower disservice. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't we don't have too many sheds in Knightsbridge yeah. or Kensington, <laughs> yeah. put it like that, Benny. So um, we we. 
we're incredibly um, cognizant of who our neighbours are. Mm. And we do a lot of work in this area, frankly. Um, and so our purpose, which is to create the space that enables extraordinary things to happen, um, which if you break it down is enabling extraordinary. Mm. That's our purpose. That's why we get out of bed. Um, and it's predicated on, on you know, our origins of, of, of being a good corporate citizen and wanting extraordinary things. So how that translates for, for instance, our neighbours, um, as I said, we are spending about a million pounds a year mm. on community investment plans. And really what we're looking to do there is to take people who have um, limited employment opportunities and to train them up and to give them every chance of having a successful life. Mm -hmm. and, th and that's what we're doing. That's enabling extraordinary. That's part of our purpose. Mm. And that has got its roots in our foundations from day one, and therefore it's authentic to us. And, and when it comes to, because I think that it's, it's, it's very clear in terms of how the impact that you want to have on the immediate communities that you, you, you operate in, how do you think that having that purpose, which is enabling the extraordinaries, am I right in yep. using that phrase? And and also, you know, helping transform the lives of, of those people around you. How does that um, influence the way that you work and operate when it comes to big shed management, for instance? I think that's a great question. Um, the, the, in a number of ways. I mean, first of all, we, we need to build the best, most sustainable buildings. Mm. You know, one of, one of our commitments... So I'll come on to talk about responsible zero yeah. possibly in a minute, but one of our commitments is, is net zero carbon by mm -hmm. 2030. So we are doing everything that we can to build buildings that are environmentally sound. Mm -hmm. um, so by taking uh, carbon out of the construction process, by green walling, by adding huge amounts of photovoltaic renewable mm -hmm. energy um, to each building and, and therefore you know putting back into the grids rather than mm -hmm spending from the grid, as it were. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just one example. Yeah, yeah. excellent. And look, clearly you've got that deep heritage, um, which has come from, you know, post, uh, as you say, First World War, repatriating those vehicles, rather than that going to waste. It's about how we can re recycle. So I, I can see that sort of authenticity coming through. If you are a either a new organization or an organization that hasn't really discovered its purpose and wants to go through that strategic exercise to find it, what advice would you give to them, both in terms of what information they need to consider, but also who needs to be involved within that exercise within an organization? <laughs> to give a standard MBA answer, it depends. <laughs> uh, it depends on the organization, mm. you know, what the field of business is, et cetera. For, for us, actually, Benny, we... We started working with a company called What If, um, great organization, and we did a piece of work with them in 2014, which was to really focus on our purpose. We knew areas that felt right for us. Um, we, knew, we knew our history. We were, weren't 100 years old then, but we were 90-something years mm. old then. Um, and actually, they effectively um, managed us through this process where we created this form of words, which became our purpose statement which is we create the space that enables yeah. extraordinary things to happen. That was, um, you know, kind of coaching on a big scale, as mm -hmm. it were, self-facilitated learning. Um, so we used a third party to help us. And I think that can be quite important, you know, because as human beings, we're, we're not desperately self-aware. Mm -hmm. And I think if you've started a business or are starting a business, you're so into the business that you can't possibly get the perspective you need to see how others mm. will see you. 
it keeps coming back to to authenticity though what, whatever your purpose is it's got to be right it's got to be for you it's got to be who you are mm. quite frankly um and, and you know your world from which i used to work i.e creative agency yeah. side there are let's be honest thousands of creative agencies mm. very few of them have a purpose and they're from a from a purchaser's point of view i am i'm a client client side now so i employ creative agencies yeah we tend to go with those that 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 we understand because they have a purpose because mm. they're clear about what they do, um, and that tends to pervade into a, into all aspects of agency life, so that everyone coming to work for that agency knows that they're working for an agency that stands for something. And when that's macroed out externally, it makes it so much easier for a client to buy into that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's also in I mean, it's. It's perhaps something that we should all, all realise, but I think it's really interesting that you said it's important to get someone to give you an objective yeah. perspective. Uh, and, you know, and I'm, I'm guilty, I'm sure you've been guilty of the past, is that when you are trying to do a piece of work that you are intrinsically connected to, you lose that objectivity. There is that biases that come through. So having somebody to come in and dispassionately look at what you're doing and probably tell you a few home truths yeah. is exactly what you, you need. Um, and but, so you, but sorry, you, you know, you can do that. Yep. You've got consultants, mm. you've got mm. non-exec directors, mm. you know, you can have critical friends. As mm. long as you give them license to say it like it is, then you're going to get that feedback. Yeah. No, definitely. And to bring it back to marketing, um, which, which is, is all is marketing, but I, I'm just interested in there's development of the, 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 um, the purpose. But then I think there's also being a custodian of the purpose as well. Is that marketing that should own that? Uh, probably, I think being a Custodian, yes, being uh, an owner. I think everyone owns it, mm. frankly. Um, and I don't think that should be, be burdensome because, quite frankly, mm. if you're socialising an idea that's authentic and you're consistently doing it mm. over a time period, then people understand the purpose. People understand what the business mm. stands for. And, 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 and therefore, everyone takes a share. Mm. Everyone owns it. Being the custodian perhaps making sure that things are flowing in the right direction and 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 the micro elements of that yeah that's probably down to marcoms absolutely yeah and with with your purpose um how stringently do you apply it will people get hired or not based on how much they sort of are compatible with that purpose and Ultimately, will performance decisions be made around people um, based on how they're living out that purpose or striving towards that purpose? Yes, we. Mm. Short answer: Yes. Um, you know, we're we're a unique business. Um, we we tend to find um, people who who buy into the Seagrow story and what mm. we're doing to be more valuable than those mm. that don't. Um, we're actually on the cusp of um, introducing ways of working next year for all of our colleagues, um, and that will that will you know that will be macroed up. So mm. if you're a manager, it'll be how well your team are doing with regard to their ways of working, their behaviours. If you're um, a direct report, then you will have specific things mm. that that um, you will need to do, yeah. um, and, and and those of course play back to the purpose. Mm. So we're not we're not what we're not trying to do is cr trying to create a type, but there's a, there's levels of you know there there are levels of behaviours and ways of working yeah. that we think are important and significant to us. I, I mean, absolutely. Unless you have some mechanisms in place to actually in, instil that and make sure that that is living and breathing, then ultimately it does 
peter out or can peter out anyway mm. is, is is a risk my um, final question just in relation to the the purpose aspect and i think this is where a lot of marketers get a little bit torn is how much should you talk about your purpose and express your purpose in your external comms or your your marketing and actually how much should it be about uh doing not showing um great question i think that you know purpose for us is the north stars i said mm. earlier um I, I think if you if you if in marketing terms, it's basically one big organising yeah, idea. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, if you look at what's below that, I mean, you you wouldn't keep repeating it, but mm. if you look at what's below that, it gives birth to all kinds of things. So one of the things that we have is responsible seagrow. Um, effectively, this is this is packaging up everything mm. that we're doing in the world of ESG. We didn't want to call it ESG. Um, and we didn't want people with ESG in their title because it doesn't sound like it's within the fabric of the brand if you yes, do it that yeah. way. We've called it Responsible Seagrow. Um, we have three three major commitments. One I've touched on already, which is net zero carbon. The other one is, or the, the other two are investing in communities, which again, I've touched on. The third one is nurturing talent, which is to make sure that people at Seagrow are the best for their jobs, but also the best people. And that gives lots of work streams fell off that things like EDNI initiatives for instance excellent well this has been a fascinating chat but I can't let you leave before I ask our question that we always ask which is around when you last saw a piece of marketing communications I mean to be honest anything really um, that you really felt in your guts something which moved you on a deep emotional level well, I'm, I'm going to give an example of one which is not new. It's been around for a while, but it's still a campaign that, mm. that, that is uh, run today, which is Sport England's This Girl Can, which mm. I think was, was a campaign or an initiative was broken six, seven years ago, mm. something like that. Um, I remember it coming out and I, w I judged a couple of awards that year. And I think one was the CIM's Marketing Excellence Awards and the other was could have been the Drum B2B Awards. Uh, not B2B Awards. It was, anyway, one of the Drum Awards. Yeah. And... Um, they entered, Sport England entered the campaign in, in many different categories on both those awards and won a lot. Um, and it really touched, it resonated me very strongly because at the time my daughter was 12 or 13. She mm. was, um, you know, she's sports mad then, she's still sports mad today. And it, I, I found it absolutely fascinating, you know, watching her, uh, you know, candidly going through puberty and seeing the yeah. sort of attitudes before and after puberty of her, her peers and also the boys that she was mm. at school with and played sport with. Um, and I think it's been a brilliant, enduring campaign because if you think about what they're trying to do, they're, they're trying to empower girls and women, therefore, to, to take part in sport. And if you look at the participant numbers in all the major sports in, in the UK, they're up massively. I think women's rugby is probably the biggest growing game in, mm. or biggest growing sport in, in Britain at the moment. Um, if, you, if you follow it through to the nth degree, I mean, you look at the Lionesses, I think they're unbeaten in 30 games, they're European mm. champions. Um, the Red Roses, which is the England's women rugby so team, close. oh, didn't yes. they? So um, you know they lost their thirty. You know, it would have been thirty-one games on the spin, yeah. and you know they they were. It was. Uh, I, I watched that final against the, the New Zealand women's team, and it was an incredible game of rugby. But and set a record for uh, attendance. And attendance, yeah, well, a sold out Eden yeah. Park. Mm. Um, if you look at uh, the England women's cricket team, if mm. you look at the England women's hockey team, you know, the, the women's cricket team, I think, have been uh, they've been world champions and, and runners-up in the last two World Cups. The England, England women's hockey team, obviously, well, sorry, Great Britain hockey team, won a, uh, a gold and a bronze in the last two Olympic Games. 
um, if you look at women in, in, in the Olympic program in great, I mean, it's phenomenal, absolutely mm. phenomenal compared with before that campaign. So I, I, I love it because I feel, um, I feel it's absolutely right. I think in, you know, gender equality today is, mm. you know, I mean, it shouldn't be a discussion. It just mm. shouldn't be a discussion. Um, uh, and it's, it, as I said, it resonated with me very strongly because of my daughter. Um, and I just think it's just a brilliant campaign if you look at the successful Sweet. metrics. And, and in many respects, I think it almost, it, it cre created the creative category. If we look if we look recently at the campaign, not her fault, not her problem rather, Yeah. Um, which is the, the campaign around sort of online hate directed towards female sports stars. And it had many of the same sort of reference points. So I think that, yeah, as you say, it was actually a quite a historical moment within the way of communicating around sort of female sport and female participation. Um, look, as I said earlier, I mean, it's been a really, really interesting and fantastically sort of insightful conversation we've had around purpose. I think that, to be honest, it's quite a succinct summary that I will give around this. It's that purpose is um, not something which is delegated to any part of the business. It's not something which is reduced to an initiative. It is something which has that transformative strategic effect and at a very, very basic level, it is that organizing principle, that North Star, which guides your behavior as a company. And if I think we look at it from a sort of a marketing perspective, it also guides your approach to marketing. You just mentioned there um, around the campaign that you, you spoke about, and you can clearly see the purpose which will be around sort of participation within sports within the UK. It was guiding principle behind behind that as well. So Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure and thanks very much for joining us. Pleasure, buddy. Thank you. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.